It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios. In Lake George, New York, I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-268. 2328-912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And speaking about St. Simon's, we're having a Billy C. get-together at Sal's uh, on April 4th. Got to show up. Want some information? Just uh, drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot Um, Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Uh, That's right. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner. You'll love this game. Simulcast uh, uh, type of a game where you can uh, put uh, a fighter from yesteryear uh, up against a a modern fighter and see how the computer thinks it would have come out. Uh, Today's show is also being brought to us uh, in part by my man, Kenny Bears. And uh, all uh, of his uh, spices at GourmetSpice.com. Check it out, www.SouthernGourmetSpice.com. Forgot the Southern. Uh, Just go to SouthernGourmetSpice.com. Get yourself a bottle now. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Don't forget about our show, uh, which is available with additional uh, stuff, specials we've done for the past 16 years. Over on our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week television channel, BillyCBoxing.com. You can get it on Roku and all the major streaming uh, devices. Just visit uh, GinecoUSA.com and sign up today. Uh, and finally, our show is being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit BarnesandNoble.com. Or Amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. Um, all right, we got everybody scheduled to come and join us today. So uh, um, stay tuned for that. We'll give you our thoughts on uh, a couple of big fights uh, that took place uh, yesterday, uh, specifically a, a, an upset uh, when uh, J. Rock Williams uh, was defending his uh, WBA and IBF uh, world a junior middleweight title uh, against uh, Jesse and uh, Rosario. Uh, um, and, uh, well, Rosario uh, knocked him out. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but first, I, I want to share something with you. Normally, um, now we have uh, a bunch of uh, uh, listener emails we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, as we usually do. But, um, and, and we get, you know, we've been trying to uh, get a bigger and better presence on on YouTube. And, um, you know, we've gotten some comments here and there uh, about that uh, from people watching the show live or whatever. And, and, you know, I've been trying to 
spend a little more time responding to to different comments uh, about different shows that we've had on uh, that we post up on YouTube. Uh, but a comment from a couple of days ago uh, really uh, caught my eye, and it uh, it kind of it's kind of like I I was thinking the same stuff, and it it seems to be an accumulation of different comments we've we've received uh, over the last uh, uh, several months. But uh, this one came on the uh, it was posted on the uh, Tyson Fury uh, episode that we did. A couple of, I guess it was two episodes ago, um, by Anthony Tom, and he says uh, to me or t- to all of us, uh, it's baffling to me why there's a disparity of views in comparison to the intelligent insight on your channel. From a financial sense, it may uh, matter, but if you, uh, I'm sorry, but from a viewpoint of putting something worthwhile and meaningful out there, you certainly achieve that. I can name you any amount of other boxing channels whereby the content is piss poor and it seems to be designed for people with the attention span of a gnat or the content seems to be designed both by and for borderline idiots. Keep putting something worthwhile out there and fighting the good fight because the people who find this channel, it matters to and they really connect with it. This is an achievement in and out of itself. Uh, Millions of people download or watch uh, just uh, Justin Bieber, he put. But few of us would suggest that uh, is any indicator of quality or good judgment. Just throwing a coin into the hat with this, your book was very interesting, and this channel creates interesting talking points. Some boxing channels consist of guys driving around in cars in a live feed, talking completely off the top of their heads, asking viewers to smash the like button for speaking random nonsense, and they get thousands of views. There's no rhyme or reason for this. Um, you know, I, um, I appreciate this. And the truth of the matter is, is you know, we are in our 16th year doing this show. Uh, we've uh, been on TV. We're currently still on TV, still on radio dial. Uh, we've uh, made a huge presence in the podcast uh, world, uh, over a quarter of a million subscribers uh, combined. Uh, we're on the Internet. We're on demand. Uh, we do a lot of specials. Uh, we do events. Um, it is strange that our presence isn't uh, as uh, uh, big on YouTube as I would have thought. Um, but then again, you know, what we find, and I really appreciate the comment from Anthony, what we find is that um, a lot of uh, uh, YouTube uh, fans that, that visit YouTube shows, I should say, they are shorter shows. This is, you know, when we first started putting the show up up on YouTube, people were saying, ah, oh, you know, it's too long, it's too long. Well, it's a show. And basically, YouTube's evolved into, I know many people that watch uh, YouTube uh, as their primary television, you know. So hopefully the word will get out there. Uh, I thank uh, uh, Anthony for doing this. And I also would appreciate any kind of uh, help from you guys, uh, especially if you watch it on YouTube. Uh, share the uh, show with other people. Hit the like. Smash the like button. You know. Anyway, back to uh, modern. Well, not that that's not modern. But last night uh, in a uh, uh, basically a, a huge upset, I would think, but not all my listeners thought, um, uh, Jason uh, Rosario um, stopped Julian J. Rock Williams 
uh, with a uh, uh, TKO in uh, at one minute and thirty seconds. One minute and thirty-seven seconds of the fifth round uh, to re- to win his uh, WBA and uh, IBO uh, IBF titles, I should say, um, and his uh, IBO title. Uh, you know, here's the deal. I, I thought it was a great fight. Um, I, I, you know, for as long as it lasted. I, I, my my comments. Uh, Benji Estevis, which is usually a, a pretty good referee, should have stopped this fight a little sooner. At least given uh, J Rock, uh, uh, you know, account. Uh, I, I thought he was in some serious trouble. He wasn't defending himself. He was staggered. Uh, seriously. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't have criticized Benji Estevez to stop this fight sooner than what he did. Uh, the fans started throwing stuff, which is starting to become um, too commonplace in, in boxing, in my opinion. But the fans started throwing stuff at the stoppage. Let me tell you something. Williams was in trouble in this fight. He was in trouble uh, several punches prior to the stoppage when he was tossed down to the ground. He was in no hurry getting up. He didn't have his legs prior to that. Uh, again, I was shocked that uh, that he didn't at least get a, a, an eight count or get a look or something. He was in trouble, and uh, generally uh, uh, Estevez is is much better than that. But he wasn't last night. Uh, but uh, in any event, uh, Rosario uh, looked bigger, stronger, and uh, J Rock just well he didn't. Um, after the fight, Rosario says, as soon as I stepped into to the ring i knew he couldn't hurt me i knew that my power was affecting him right away i came prepared i knew before this fight that i was going to win it i have to give him a lot of credit uh i have to give my team a lot of credit i'm sorry he says i had a 16 week uh training camp and prepared and that prepared me for this i knew that if i made the sacrifice that i would do what i did tonight i knew this 16 weeks ago uh j-rock was pretty cool in defeat and this is what I always like to hear fighters say. Uh, he says, Rosario was the better man tonight. It was a great homecoming for my fans, and I'm sorry I let him down. What went wrong? What went ugh, I'm having a hard time uh, with tongue twisters today. What went, <laughs> what went wrong with this fight tonight uh, needs to and will be fixed. We're going go to we're gonna go to our immediate rematch. As we look forward to returning the favor, I wasn't surprised he was so good. Uh, I told everybody he's a real fighter. I have to accept this. The cut did blur my vision a little bit, but it wasn't the reason why I lost. He was the better fighter tonight. We got a rematch clause. Clause. I'll see him soon. Um, I'm so glad I didn't hear. I don't want to make excuses, but you know, I couldn't see. I couldn't see out of my eye. Uh, you know, um, he wasn't prepared for the fight. I think that's what he was referring to. He didn't come out and say it, but he wasn't prepared for the fight. Um, the other thing is, is when you look at J-Rock, uh, you know, it, it goes back to what I say. Um, you know, fighters today, and, and Julian Williams is no different, fighters today are so protected in the first part of their career that they never really get in these kinds of fights where they're tested and have to learn, you know, they only get these fights after they're a champion. And I understand about the financial gain and everything else, but the reason why fighters can't be in these tougher fights without a belt on the line is because promoters and television networks or streaming uh, platforms don't want to take the chance and they feel that they can't promote something 
that doesn't involve a Titleist. And that has diluted uh, the, the, the champions. You know, to become a champion isn't defeat anymore because you can, you know, uh, kind of position yourself for a title uh, very easily in the sport of boxing today as long as you have the right people behind you. It's keeping a belt that uh, is tricky, and I think that uh, J-Rock learned that uh, last night. Um, one thing I, I want to say, you know, I got to give um, credit to where credit's due. Uh, my man Alexander uh, dropped me an email on Thursday, and he says, Hey, Billy C., I'm a big fan of the show. I wanted to talk to you about the Williams-Rosario fight. I think Rosario has a real shot. I watched his fight against uh, Jamonte Clark back in 2018. Uh, he gave Clark, who fought to a draw recently with uh, Seb Fedura, uh, one of the most brutal beatings I've ever seen. On that performance alone, I think he's got a shot, even though the lanky uh, Clark and Julian Williams are built very differently. I was impressed by Julian's win against Hurd, but before that fight, I didn't think highly of him at all. I also worry about the pressure on Williams fighting in his hometown for his first title defense. I think that hometown pressure got to Hurd when he fought Williams. Just my two cents. Have a great weekend. Well, I, you know, I responded to, to Alexander uh, on Thursday, and I said, well, you know, I agree with you. Rosario's a good fighter. Basically, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, Rosario's a good fighter, but I'm leaning towards Williams in a close fight. That's what I had said to uh, to Alexander. Um, and, and then I gave my two cents uh, to uh, uh, quote uh, my man Johnston's column up on BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, my two cents uh, is... Uh, uh, the fact that Hurd, I didn't understand why he wouldn't take the rematch. You know, there was something fishy going on, in my opinion. Uh, then then uh, to see uh, uh, the result last night, you know, now that even clouds my thoughts about Hurd uh, more. I mean, remember, Hurd didn't move up. Uh, you know, we all knew that he was having trouble uh, making 154. His next fight is back at 154, and he declined the rematch against J-Rock. Uh, now J-Rock's going to uh, get his rematch with Rosario. That's the way uh, it should be. And uh, along those lines, my man Mitch, uh, a guy I keep trying to uh, take some time to uh, spend with us on this show, uh, says uh, also about this fight, I can't think of a word, so let's just say the 154-pound division is a cluster and then he used a word that kind of rhymes with a duck and has an F in it. Uh, you know, uh, he says, on any given night, titles will change hands. Well, you know, I, I took a, a look uh, at the uh, uh, junior middleweight uh, uh, division as it sits right now. Uh, Jamel Charlo is a WBC champ. Uh, Rosario just picked up the WBA and uh, IBF titles as long as as well as the IBO title, but like the WBA, they have a ton of uh, of titleists, including Arslandi Lara uh, and uh, also uh, Michelle Soro. Uh, the WBO has Patrick Texera in it. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is uh, the top guys, in my opinion, in this division, Jared Hurd still has to be in the conversation. Brian Carlos uh, Castano is, is a good fighter. So is Liam Smith, uh, Jesse uh, Vargas. Uh, Kel Brook is alive and well in this uh, division. Uh, Tony Harrison is still somebody to look at. Um, 
Jack uh, Colquet. Uh, you know, so I, there's a lot of people that are in the top 10 or, or 15 of the sanctioning bodies that aren't worthy of that kind of a ranking, in my opinion. But the division is uh, uh, wide open, it would appear. So uh, great points uh, from uh, our viewers and listeners who are way ahead of the game uh, with their uh, predictions on this fight prior to the fight. So I just wanted to give them credit where credit's due. Uh, another fight on that card, uh, a up-and-coming uh, fighter, Chris Colbert, improved to 14-0 and with five knockouts, uh, capturing... Uh, uh, you know, another one of those uh, WBA belts uh, when he won a uh, decision over Jezreel Corrales of, out of Panama, who's lost his fourth fight of his career. He drops to 23-4. and four. Uh, The way the judges scored it, 116-111, and two had it 117-110. Um, you know, Jezreel Corrales was a, was a top guy at one point. He lost. Now he seems to become, he seems to have become, um, you know, a test for this, for these up and coming, you know, guys that want to get into the mix like he was supposed to be last night for uh, Chris Colbert. Um, I wasn't impressed with Colbert. He was, it was boring. Um, you know, uh, to tell you the truth, he didn't come on to the end. Um, a guy that uh, was in this kind of a, a fight, uh, spotlights, if you will, needed to make a statement. I don't think he did. Uh, so, I, you know, I think the jury's still out on him. Again, this is what I was just saying about J-Rock. You know, you, you can't keep feeding guys easy opposition or give them a somewhat tough guy. Like, I'll admit, uh, Corrales is a tough opponent, but he fought total cautiousness. You know, that doesn't show us really how he's going to fare uh, against uh, a much better opposition. Um, another fight last night that uh, made some impact was uh, Elder uh, Alvarez. Uh, took care of uh, Michael Seals uh, in a snooze fest uh, until the stoppage came um, in the uh, seventh round when Alvarez uh, knocked out uh, uh, Seals' uh, devastating punch. I forget who the referee was in that uh, fight, but, you know, he, he displayed what's wrong with referees. And the reason he was so terrible is... He was over-refereeing. This guy was trying to get on the camera. He was disrespectful to the fighters, specifically uh, Alvarez, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he was pushing him around. He was warning him uh, way too much. He, he just got involved with the fight too much. And he was talking kind of smack to these guys. You know, I, I, you know, I was kind of hoping that somebody would have punched him in his effing face to be honest with you, uh, because, you know, this referee was, was he, he ruined the fight, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, it should be fighter A versus fighter B. And, and forget about the referee. I mean, the referee is supposed to do their job. In a couple of the big fights last night, I think the referees, uh, you know, didn't. Benji Estevis, who's usually a really good referee, let the um, J-Rock fight go a little too far. I, I think J-Rock was in trouble before he got flung to the canvas and uh, uh, ultimately was let, uh, you know, was uh, allowed to continue. And then Estevez stopped the fight. He had never recovered from uh, being kind of battered uh, just prior to being tossed to the canvas uh, against Rosario. And then uh, 
I, I can't think of uh, what the referee was. You know, making himself known. You know, it wasn't fighter A versus fighter B featuring referee so-and-so. No, no, no. Who cares about the referee? The best referees is when I can't think of who they were, unless, in, except in this case, I can't think of him because he just aggravated me throughout the fight. Uh, terrible. Terrible to see uh, uh, when that kind of stuff happens, at least in my opinion. You know, the fighters should just fight and not have to uh, fight the referee. And sometimes, you know, that's what I see. You know, it seems like uh, a fighter's in there and, uh, you know, he's got his hands full with his opponent uh, and yet, uh, uh, you know, he's battling the referee as well. You know, a referee is not supposed to have favorites uh, in a fight. I'm sorry. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, like Jack Reese is the same way. You know, they clearly show uh, favoritism towards one fighter. You know, or they'll push a, a fighter. They'll break him apart. They'll push one fighter and push him hard and, and slap him around a little bit and warn him for all that. I can't stand it. You know, a, a referee should protect the fighters uh, in there and make sure that they're fighting by the rules, and then if a fighter gets in trouble, it's a referee's job to, to be in position to stop a fight. In the two big fights last night, I feel that uh, uh, one of the referees was too much in the uh, camera shot uh, and was uh, disrespectful to the fighters in the Alvarez fight and then in the uh, Rosario fight. Uh, I thought that uh, he was clearly uh, showing favoritism. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, in the Alvarez fight, he, the referee was shield, sh, uh, clearly showing favoritism uh, uh, towards Michael Seals uh, and against Alvarez. And in the Rosario fight, uh, Benji Estevez, uh, I felt, should have stopped that fight a little sooner. Joining me right now to get his thoughts on the fights uh, is my main male man. Man, I'm stumbling all over uh, the dictionary today. My main m man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning. How you doing, Billy C? No, nah, I'm not doing that great. I keep messing up my my verbiage today. Uh, I, I guess I, I guess three cups of coffee is too much. But uh, uh, what was your thoughts first on the Rosario upset over J Rock Williams last night? Well, I think um, it was a very good fight. I just saw highlights, and um, I think that uh, he was. Uh, I'll tell you, it's just um, it was a great upset. I mean, he uh, he had you know all the tools he needed to uh, to pull off a nice win for himself, and I was very glad to see that. He, uh, you know, every week I become a bigger fan of different fighters, and I don't even want to get into uh, the uh, main event of the uh, UFC, but um, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it was it was it was good. It was good. Did you see the Did you see the round the the round in which uh, Rosario uh, ended up uh, stopping uh, Julian Williams? Um, I, I don't know how much of it you saw. You you tell me you only saw highlights, but I thought that um, I thought that Williams was in some serious trouble uh, prior to getting flung to the canvas, and then ultimately uh, referee Benji Estevez uh, stopped the fight. Um, you know, uh, several seconds later, I thought he was in trouble. I, I thought it, he the fight should have been waved off sooner. What was your thoughts? Did you get to see that or no? Yeah, I did, and and I think you were right there too. I uh, 
I thought the fight could have been waved off a little sooner. And, uh, you know, he he, uh, he was in a lot of trouble. And he wasn't going to come back. And I think that uh, he could only get further hurt. And the other fight um, that was uh, uh, Elder Est Alvarez taking on Michael Seals, um, you know, it ended in a devastating knockout. Uh, Alvarez uh, knocked out uh, Seals. Uh, at three minutes of the, uh, uh, what was it, the seventh round, I think. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I thought that that fight uh, showcased a referee that was disrespectful to the fighters. It, it, it aggravated me. Did you see that, or am I overreacting? No, I think you, you were uh, uh, hitting that on the head, you know. You got some guys that are showboats out there. And uh, it's all about them, you know. They're they're the uh, third man in the ring, and they feel <laughs> they may want a little more favorable exposure for whatever reason, and uh, egos or whatever. Heck. Uh, but uh, from what I saw, yeah, I thought he he looked like a little hot dog. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that's terrible in, in this sport for the referee yeah. to, to do that. I, I think uh, the two fighters uh, at hand deserve the, uh, you know, focal point on them. But uh, what was your thoughts of Alvarez? Did, did, you, did you make any uh, note of, of his performance? Or uh, what did you think? Because, you know, he's in line now to fight Joe Smith Jr., from what I understand. Yeah, I know, and uh, I think Joe Smith's going to have a good night with that. Um, I think that uh, he uh, he just looked um, he looked good, but he um, he's got a little ways to go yet. You know, um, go ahead. No, go go go. No, no. What I was going to say is, uh, you know, they had fought once before. And um, I, I I see a difference with Alvarez. I don't see the same Alvarez. I. I see, it, although, you know, I, I don't know if it's fair to say that, you know, I can't really use my, Michael Seals, no disrespect to Michael Seals, but uh, I think Joe Smith Jr. is a, a better fighter. They fought before, um, I, but I, I, don't, I don't see the same Alvarez. I, I see a, a Joe Smith Jr. who introduced a, a, a pretty decent jab in his last fight could be the difference uh, when and if he steps in the ring again with Alvarez. What's your thoughts? Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, Joe Smith Jr., he uh, he looked, you know, like that fight a couple weeks ago. He was in total control. He uh, dominated what I thought was every round, pretty much, and he, uh, he totally, you know, wanted to show the world what he could do. And he did so in big fashion. But, uh, you know he uh, he still has room for improvement too. Move that head and flip some punches because he he's willing to take a good shot. He got hit with some good shots. Um, Sal, you know you and I have talked a lot about um, the upcoming fight in February between uh, Tyson Fury and and your idol uh, Deontay Wilder. Um, I, I, you know I, they had a press conference and stuff. And, um, you know, I know we're getting a lot of this. There's a lot of promotion about this fight. Um, but uh, Tyson Fury uh, made uh, quite the uh, prediction. He, he's predicting that he's going to knock Wilder out in the second round of this fight. 
do you think that wow. he because you know he he is uh he did uh you know change trainers and and you know he's claiming that um you know that, that he's learning uh how to uh, uh use power you know develop more power in his punch and you know he hired a, a sugar hill out of the cronk uh, gym uh who uh, as everyone knows is um you know the the uh, uh nephew of uh uh, the late great uh, Manny Stewart, um, and I, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I did see a fighter recently, seemingly, you know, get more power in uh, Mugaya, um, and if Tyson Fury can unleash power or or find his power, it's going to be a lot. He's a monster, but the second round, do you think he's just trying to sell tickets, or or do you think he's actually going to go after? Um, Wilder, or is he is he trying to get into Wilder's head to cause Wilder to go after him so he can pick up where he left off? What's your thoughts on his uh, his prediction? Well, I'll tell you, I, I think you said it right there. I think he's trying to get into Wilder's head to give him some second thoughts of jumping on him and uh, you know buy him some more time. But uh, I I really don't know if he could conceivably improve very much in a short period of time um, with punching power. I mean, that was a big thing we used to say all the time. Here's a huge guy that uh, just doesn't have that snap, that, that power, that momentum. And, uh, I mean, maybe he's turning punches over a little bit differently, maybe better, but I, I just don't see the power there. And, you, know, uh, you know, Tyson sorry? Fury... No, I was going to say, Tyson Fury... You know, as far as a boxer, you know, his his uh, boxing ability, uh, tying his opponent, opponent up, his movement and stuff like that, you know, obviously is, uh, if not one of the uh, best in the heavyweight division, he is the best in the heavyweight division in terms of the sweet science, so to speak. But as far as athleticism, I think Deontay Wilder actually has more athleticism than... Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is like that, uh, you know, seemingly monster kid who uh, isn't all that coordinated. Um, I think Deontay Wilder, although he delivers his punches in an uncoordinated way, I, I think that from an, an athletic point of view, Deontay's more athletic. Do you think that if a trainer that is known to bring out power in a fighter could unleash uh, maybe something the way Tyson Fury delivers his punches to get power in it. Um, does that change his style at all, or or how do they add? How, how would they, I, I don't understand how somebody could add power to a fighter's uh, uh, punch without altering their style? No, you're right because you know if, if the guy's a boxer, which he's an excellent boxer and all of a sudden he's a puncher, well, there's a trade-off there. You know, there, there's there's a trade-off. You're sitting down on punches, maybe. You're executing them. You're not going to be as nimble on your toes because you've got to really uh, be a little more flat-footed. So, you know, there's trade-offs. I think it's, it's worth it for him to experiment and see if he could pick up some more significant power with because uh, he's such a big entity out there in the ring. And I think uh, that he uh, he could probably, you know, t 
turn those punches and 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 deliver more steam on there. I, you know, usually a big guy does have that power, but you know he's he's not a, an amazing athlete. But he's a, uh, you know, there's there's Deontay Wilder. His power comes from innate. I mean, it's it's in him. It's it's the way he turns it over, the way he gets you in your wheelhouse, and uh, and then you have a fighter that, that might come along that can acquire some of the uh, momentum and the sitting on the punches and, and the execution of uh, being more effective with some power. I think right there you will have an ideal case of seeing a fighter who might, if he's, if he's true and he has some power, well, that was acquired and that was a well done if he's that much into school and really learns how to execute to pick up some power. Um, like Deontay Wilder, that's the last thing he needs to worry about because that's the one trick pony that he is where he, he just counts on getting you in your his wheelhouse and it's over. Um, so I did... I'm shocked over something I, I found out uh, the other day. I was looking at... You know, you've heard me say in the past many times that I, I kind of like the way the computer rankings are that they take and, you know, they base uh, their ranking system on uh, a fighter and who his opponents were and who his opponent's opponents were and, you know, they calculate a formula and they, they spit out the uh, uh, computerized rankings, which generally are different than, you know, the sanctioning body rankings, which quite honestly a lot of times are, are a joke. But for kicks the other day, I did uh, pound for pound all time computer rankings. Um, oh boy! Now, for me, the number one all time, you know, pound for pound fighter is Sugar Ray Robinson. I, I, I mean, to me, anytime anybody ever asks me who the greatest fighter was, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson is my number one. I mean, I, you know. You, you can make uh, uh, Henry Armstrong, you could get him in the mix. Uh, there's a lot of other uh, fighters you can you can start to, uh, you know, Harry Greb. I mean, a lot of other fighters you can start to uh, uh, make the, you know, have the discussion over. But the computer spit out, and their number one pound for pound all-time great, as per the computer, is Floyd Mayweather Jr. I, it made me sick. It made me sick to see that. Now, I don't know what their formulas are, but just to give you an idea, Sal, Floyd, number one, Manny, number two, Carlos Monzon, number three, Sugar Ray Robinson, number four, Muhammad Ali, number five. Um, uh, Harry Greb, you don't see him until number 18. Um, you don't see uh, Henry Armstrong. Let me say, I don't even remember seeing Henry Armstrong. Uh, you don't see Henry Armstrong. Uh, you're kidding me. I can't believe this. In the top 50. Wait a minute. This has got to be a mistake. They don't have Henry Armstrong in their top 50, the way the computer... I mean, I mean how can that be, Sal? That can't, that can't be. That can't be. You know what? That's why, you know, boxing has always taken care of itself with the uh, not having to worry about and depend on a computer. Uh, it's in the hearts and opinions of uh, judges, fans, and history. And no way could the 
could that be possible, Henry Armstrong? That was my first fighter I really, uh, really loved to watch the old black and white films, eight millimeters, um, that my father got for me when I was a kid. And I'll tell you, you know, if you look where my style comes from, you know, I, I, I just like to bore in there and, and pound away. And, you know, Henry Armstrong was a part of that evolution period for me. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I felt very short of what he accomplished. But I, 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 I know I, I admired him and, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't see that how he could be ranked so far back in the crop of fighters that we're looking at. Can't understand. He, 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 can't, can't understand that he's not even in their top fifty. That's a sin. No. It's a sin. There's got to be a mistake there. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they meant to put no, Henry I, Armstrong at number one and not put Floyd in the top fifty. Maybe that's maybe that's what they meant. Because uh, I still you can't know. believe they they have Floyd as number one of all time. Yeah, that's a joke. But anyway, Sal, we appreciate your time. We'll look forward to next week. And by the way. Can't wait to uh, come on down uh, for a uh, show that we're going to be doing, a special uh, show at your place on April 4th on a Saturday. Can't wait to uh, see you then, man. You know, me too. I'm looking so forward to it, and I'm talking to some people about it, and they're looking forward to it. And So you guys got a lot of fans down here, and uh, you know, I hear every day in the street, you know, oh, what's going on? How, how do you feel about this? What's going on? You know. So it's it's going to be a a great realization once we get you guys down here again. So I'm looking so forward to that. I'm coming. I'm for, reach out to. Uh, go ahead. No, I'm saying I'm coming for the food. We'll do we'll do we'll do okay. the you know we'll do the show too. But uh, uh, I'm coming for the food. Oh, yeah. Make make no mistake. You know. So uh, uh, I'm telling people to uh, uh, reach out to me if they want to know what our itinerary is. Otherwise, I could just swing by uh, your place on Saturday the 4th. We'll be uh, doing the show and then hanging around. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, Sal. Absolutely. Me too, buddy. And uh, we'll be in touch as it gets a little closer. I'll get that hotel for you. It's, uh, it's, um, it's very easy. It's off memory. Sounds and, good. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty good. They, they're close by. And I'll also uh, look at what they have done to improve the mold condition at sea ponds. Yeah, um, whatever yeah, happened? Did they ever rebuild that place or what? Yeah, they had destroyed so much, though. They had to get rid of so much. But uh, it's been in the process. They they rebuilt the whole golf course. I mean, it's beautiful. They, they tore up greens. They tore up everything. Hmm. And they started from scratch, and it's beautiful. Well, uh, we'll we'll figure that out, and uh, looking forward to that. And next weekend, uh, talk about uh, uh, the fights uh, next week, my man. All right, my friend. You take good care, and let's touch base during the week. As always. As always. Talk to you soon, Sal. Yes, sir. All right. Take care. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. That's my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. And, uh, you know, what he was talking about, the mold, Um, the sea palms, is a place we've done uh, a lot of work with in the past when we've gone down there and and uh, did events in the past. And um, what happened was with the hurricane uh, that took place, one of the last uh, couple of hurricanes, I guess it's been almost three years now, um, it destroyed the, the sea palms. 
and it actually messed up one of our uh, events that we were doing, and we had to go to another facility. Um, and uh, apparently, based on a conversation uh, that Sal was just telling us, uh, they're still uh, rebuilding. It's a huge uh, 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 place, man. I-, I love it, and that would be great if uh, uh, if they're uh, ready. But if not, we'll we'll keep you posted. If you drop me an email, we'll let you know where we're staying and all that stuff. Uh, but we're looking forward to doing that. Uh, we will be down there. Uh, we will be doing the show on Saturday, April fourth. Uh, and uh, so far, uh, as uh, everybody has committed to it, for, that's part of this show. In addition to myself and Sal, of course, uh, Alex uh, has said that he would show up. Uh, Emily said she would show up. And joining us right now, who said he'll show up, is my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning, Billy C. How you doing today, my man? I am exhausted. Oh, well, uh, from from what? From the weather? From watching we, all the fights? We left here at um, about 1.30 Saturday morning, traveled all the way down to uh, Oxon Hill, Maryland, for a, uh, an event at the D.C. Armory, a 25-fight event, and it didn't even start till 5 p.m. last night, and then, and then I drove all the way home and, and you know, dropped kids off. So um, I'm, I'm literally working on about four hours sleep in the last 36 hours. Well, you know what? You're still young, so you can handle it. But uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was your thoughts on uh, the Rosario-J-Rock uh, Williams fight? Um, I, you know, I mean... Uh, it didn't shock me as much. As, it, well, I guess now it doesn't shock me as much. But but what do you think? You know, I like Williams. He's a tough fighter, and he can box. But he kind of has always reminded me of Jesse Hart, who we seen last week against Joe Smith Jr., even though um, Williams doesn't uh, lack the heart that uh, Jesse Hart, no pun intended, seems to show against uh, uh, Smith. But... Um, by that, I mean uh, Williams tends to fight below his skill level at times, you know, when um, he uh, should just go in there, be consistent, and um, not alter his game plan. We see that, and we get these dull performances from Williams. Um, I think um, the fight against Jarrett Hurd, and no disrespect to Williams because it was a you know a great performance by him, but it uh, was an example of that division, not only heard, but the um, the Charlo twins, where being a weight bully has brought success that really um, wasn't brought so much by their skill level in their hands, but because of that body size, and that's what happened there. Now, now Rosario, Bill, you know, he's one of those fighters who doesn't look impressive on paper, you know, he lacks any recognizable names, but... Like a lot of those guys from the Dominican Republic, if you sleep on them, this is what happens. We've seen it happen time and again. You know, I, it's a couple of things. One, I I really can't figure out why Jared Hurd didn't take the rematch because I agree with everything you say about J-Rock. You know, he's had up and down, basically, uh, he's had up and down performances. Sometimes he looks good and sometimes he looks uh, not even ordinary. He looks below ordinary. And you could be right. It could be based on the level of his opposition. Um, and, you know, the truth of the matter is, is when you get a guy as hungry as Rosario appeared to have been, uh, especially since listening to his post-fight uh, comments about his training camp, etc., and you're taking a guy lightly and you're, you're you know, loving the, the limelight in your hometown, etc., etc., 
um, and then this happens. I, I, I mean, yes, J-Rock uh, was caught with his pants down, so to speak, but I still go back to Jared Hurd, and I say to myself, why didn't this guy take a rematch? He was in his hometown uh, when he lost. You know, he might have taken uh, Julian uh, lightly, but why not get right back in and, and fight the guy like J-Rock's going to do with Rosario? You know, it makes me wonder why why Jared Hurd didn't take the rematch and the fact that he's still in the same division. I thought that he was going to move up. I, I mean, I, something doesn't seem right with that fight. I don't know. The only, the only thing I can make sense of it is that Jared Hurd is looking for or hoping for a bigger fight at 160 pounds. And this uh, fight against Santana coming up is just more or less a stay-busy fight. You know, remember, you know, Jared Hurd is in his late 20s. Um, same thing with Charlo, you know, in his late 20s, maybe, maybe his early 30s. And fighters are growing still at, at that age, you know, uh, physically. As, you know, we see, Bill, fighters, you know, they continue to move up and wait until, you know, their mid-30s. And so, you know, eventually you just can't make that weight. You know, it just your body, no matter what, it doesn't matter how much you're eating, no matter how much training, um, no matter, you know, your, your diet, no matter what you do, you're just not going to be able to make that weight. And that division has been full of guys like that for quite some time now. I remember the first time that I ever met Austin Trout is when he was uh, going to fight Miguel Cotto, and that was at the press conference. And standing up close to him, you're saying to yourself, wow, this guy is a big 154 pounder. But then when you look at the other guys, um, the Charlos, Heard, and so on, he looks like he's two divisions smaller. I, you know, that that's I, I agree, and that was my whole point with, with Heard. I, I was expecting this. He looked like a heavyweight in there by fight night, and uh, it just it, it just didn't make sense. Um, uh, moving to, to Benji Estevez, I, I thought J-Rock, I thought that fight could, could have been stopped before he even got flung to the canvas um, I thought he was in serious trouble. I, I, I think, I think Estevez is, is he's lucky that that there wasn't more damage done to J Rock. Um, he was nowhere to be seen when he wasn't responding back and was getting pummeled against the ropes before he he fell to the canvas. What was your thoughts? I agree. It could have been stopped a lot sooner. The um, again, it has to do with my opinion in the fact that Rosario is not known over here. He's not, you know, known um, at all, you know, down in Dominican Republic. He, um, you know, he has a pretty decent following, I'm sure. But Estevez is probably saying to himself, Williams is going to, you know, come back. He's going to bounce out of this. He's just maybe underestimated this kid, and he's waiting. Not that that does uh, Julian Williams any favors, because as you stated, you wait a little bit too long. One punch too long in this sport, we know what can happen. So, no, that that was uh, bad on um, Benji Estevez's uh, part, most most definitely. But usually Benji Estevez does a good job inside the ring, so I hate to be uh, too critical on him. But, uh, you know, I just keep thinking, you know, Jaime Muniga, Jaime Muniga, Jaime Muniga, these... Is it like there's like an influx, Bill, of these unknown fighters who come around and all of a sudden they upset the apple cart and they have this this raw talent, this this raw power that just needs molded and all of a sudden they can you know actually become like elite fighters and who knows maybe that can be the case um, here with Rosario. But the reason why um, I brought up Mugaya again is that you know it kind of reminds me of how Mugaya came in and just steamrolled Saddam Ali. That fight could have been stopped a whole lot sooner than what it was. You know, you're you're 100% right. For let me comment on a couple of things. You're 100% right 
about the possibility of Benji Estevez, um, you know, uh, wondering who his guy is. But, but you know what? To be honest with you, you know, a referee shouldn't be an analyst. A referee should be going into a fight and looking at both fighters as combat, you know, uh, combatant A and B. That's it. And his job is supposed to be protect them, make sure they follow the rules, et cetera, et cetera. He shouldn't have any any pre-opinion going in. I know it's hard. And and to answer the other question, the reason why the Mugayas and the Rosarios come in and seemingly flying under the radar, let's face it. You know, a lot of these young fighters, and we talk about this all the time, a lot of these young fighters that don't get the financial backing early on, they have a much tougher road to get to uh, a, a position to get a shot. And the guys like Mugaya and Rosario who have tougher fights in, in obscure places against guys that don't look tough on paper when they got a 5-8 and eight record and, uh, you know, realistically they're well more uh, balanced as a fighter with a 5-8 and eight record and these guys are fighting those uh, fighters in places where we don't see. They're developing these skills. They're getting better. They're tougher than the guys that are being hand-fed cupcakes. I, you know, it is what it is. They're just... It, they're not fighters today. A lot of fighters that, that that get protected early on become coddled, and they really don't get tested until after they have a belt. And I, I that's one of my biggest problems with the sport today. Yes, I, I agree. You know, and that and then that's happened for years. I mean, let's let's be honest. That's that's happened for years with these guys that don't have the big name. They don't have that big push. All of a sudden, they come out of nowhere. But uh, usually we don't see it uh, with guys from smaller countries like uh, these fellows are, you know, down in uh, Central America or, you know, or South America. You know, usually that's uh, from some guy out in, you know, um, some Midwest state or something like that or some guy that's, um, you know, known just to be in the gym and as a sparring partner. And all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere because he rounded out his skill set fighting on undercards or, or inside the gym, uh, you know. But for quite some time. You know, the PBC, all those fighters that we have been talking about, you know, it's been more or less like a round robin, not just those guys, not just um, Heard and the Charlos, we'll just use those three guys right there, more or less uh, fighting the um, the guys that were around before, more than not, it's like an Austin Trout or an Arislandi Lara and so on, but uh, right now, I'm sitting here looking at this and I'm saying to myself, I wonder if... One of these promoters, and I'm saying this because you're mentioning about this push, uh, you know, there's a nice little round robin that can be going on right there in this division against guys that aren't, um, that, that are natural 154-pound fighters. I'm talking about uh, Patrick uh, uh, Texiera and um, Carlos Adamas and, um, and, and, and for, um, and uh, Rosario, you know, because all those guys, they all have something in common. They all have a win and a loss uh, against each other. Well, you know, they have to be willing to, to cross the line, so to speak, and fight other, other uh, promoted fighters. And so far, the only group that is avoiding that is the PBC. And, yeah. um, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, but I agree. I agree. Yeah, um, because uh, Adonis and uh, Rosario are from the same country. And um, Texiera, he just won a belt. So um, him and if, let's say, that Rosario should get past uh, Julian Williams in the rematch, you know, those guys could fight, um, you know, and kind of unify a little bit right there. And then Carlos Adamas against the Rosario, if Rosario should win, imagine that would, that would be huge to uh, two fighters from the Dominican Republic that are uh, in their 20s fighting, you know, for all the belts at 154 pounds. I can't see why one of these promoters wouldn't jump on that knowing exactly 
exactly how um, big of a fan base that well, you know, the uh, the Hispanic fighters, no matter what country they're from, bring to the uh, bring to the sport. No question about that. That's been the case for a while. Um, Elder Alvarez uh, knocked out Michael Seals uh, last night. It was uh, three minutes of the seventh round. That didn't really surprise me. Um, I had two observations in that fight. One, I didn't think Alvarez looked that great. You know, Michael Seals, I know he was talking a big talk, but, you know, uh, never uh, was in there with a guy like Alvarez. I thought Alvarez did not look as sharp as I had expected. I know that he's been out for a little bit. And then the other thing is that referee was atrocious. I mean, this was a guy that was playing favoritism, was trying to get in the camera shot much too much. I can't say, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a terrible referee uh, in the two big fights last night. I, and Estevez, like I like you said, I agree with you. He's generally a really good referee. I think he had an off night last night, and the referee in the uh, Alvarez um, Seals fight was should never be allowed to ref again. It reminded me of a Jack Reese smacking the opponent around, and it was terrible. Did am I am I being too critical? Did you watch it? No, I've I've never liked uh, D uh, Danny Chavone. There's oh, Chavone, right, that guy. Right, right. You know, sometimes you're just one of those people that you know their their face just annoys you, and and he's one of those guys, and he seems to have an attitude in all his all the fights that he referees. Uh, you know, he's just. You know, he comes in there and more or less, you say, you know, he bullies the fighters. Yeah. Uh, he spends too much time wanting to let them know that he's in charge. Yes. Just go in there and do your job, and you know what? They'll know who's in charge. Exactly. You know, Ron Lipton. Ron Lipton never comes in there and bullies the guys and says, I'm in charge. And Ron Lipton's a hell of a better referee than Danny Schiavone is. Well, you know, that's the that's the point. You know, these guys come in. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to get the, the camera on them. He's in there. He was breaking them up. They, You know, both of them had an arm free, and he was still getting in there, breaking it up, you know, exercising his power you're 100 right it was driving me up a wall I, I i was wishing that one of the fighters would would cold cock him i i, I really it it was just you know what it's disrespectful to the fighters and i don't think there's any place in the sport of boxing uh for a referee that feels that he's got limelight on him you know fighter a versus fighter b featuring referee so-and-so no that's not what we say you know generally uh, the best thing to do is not remember who the ref was uh, because most of the time they're, uh, they did a good job. Yeah, you know, Schiavone never really gets those big assignments, and you know why? Because of reasons like this. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, uh, I could definitely uh, uh, see that. Hey, I, I got a, a one question here for you before we let you go. Um, you know, I, I, it was announced that um, Adam Kaznacki is uh, fighting uh, 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 Robert Helenus on March 7th. Um, another couple of PBC fighters, or at least uh, Kaznaki is. What happened to Kaznaki against Chris Ariola? What did I miss? I, I, you know, um, it seems like uh, it's just another PBC fighter, either ducking a, a big fight or, or maybe an injury pullout. What, uh, obviously, that fight... Uh, the cancellation of that fight flew under the radar for me. Did, what's the skinny on that? Do you know? Um, Kalnaki, he's you know he's made uh, he's managed to get himself into a top ten ranking, and you know going and fighting Chris Ariola would be a step back. Their first fight was exciting, but you know Chris Ariola has been past his best for quite some time. As a matter of fact, when Kalnaki uh, faced Ariola the first time, I believe Ariola. Um, I think he broke the uh, the copy box record for the most punches ever thrown by a heavyweight. But um, 
The guy we were just talking about, Danny Schiavone, he was the referee there. So maybe Danny Schiavone is just a little busy, and that's why they couldn't have this fight come off. I have no idea, but... You know, in all honesty, this doesn't benefit Adam Konowski at all. So I don't. Uh, so I don't. Uh, you know, I don't see why the fight would happen. Well, against Helenus or against Ariola? Ari- Ariola. Well, Ariola had just come off of a, a big win. I, I forget who he beat. Um, and you know, he was getting another shot. And Kaznaki, I, I, you know, they were both at the the um, the Canelo Danny Jacobs fight, and. Uh, in in Vegas, and that's when they first, you know, were, were actually uh, being, you know, kind of. He, he he wasn't coming off a big win, okay. He had beat um um the guy from Haiti, um, Pierre uh, Augustin, I think his last name is, and um he was coming off a huge win himself there, wasn't he, Humberto Soto? So I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, um, name two fights that uh, Humberto Soto's ever been in a heavyweight. Humberto Soto. Exactly. There's my point. Exactly. So, you know, he wasn't coming off a big win at all. So, um, I don't know where you got that from. The Areola was coming off a big win. Uh, if anything, you know, Areola was uh, more or less just being a recycled opponent to make uh, Kalnaki look good. And if anything, Cariola, because he threw so many punches, Kalnaki didn't look as good as he was supposed to that night. Yeah, well, and that, that, and that could be another reason why the rematch isn't happening, Bill, as as Kalnaki's name starts to become uh, uh, talked about more in this uh, the top ten, and he builds a fan base. The last thing he needs is to look bad against uh, an over, uh, well past it, Chris Ariola, who's always been an exciting fighter, I've always been a big fan of his, but you know he is well past it. And for uh, a guy to get off over uh, a thousand punches on somebody who's a, a rising prospect and building a fan base, you know that's not really good for PR. Yeah, well, I guess uh, I guess you're you're right because uh, um, Chris Ariola, uh, his last fight was actually against uh, Kaznaki, so I don't know why he was trying to get a rematch. Um, but uh, Umberto Soto, that they're not even in the same weight weight class, but um, it's yeah. a different Humberto Soto than <laughs> than the other one. Yeah, but I don't see it. I'm looking at um, who are you talk about, Helenus? because Ariola. No, no, we're, we're, we, we, no, we were talking about Ariola. I was just coming because you said that uh, he was coming off this big win when he faced uh, Kaunaki. Oh, oh, oh! When he when he fought, yeah, no, he, that's right. Jean Pierre uh, Augustin was was the fighter, but uh, uh, yeah, I I don't know why I thought that uh, that he deserved the rematch. I I guess uh, I guess my mind is uh, is starting to fail me, my man. But uh, uh, April fourth, Sal's place. You're gonna finally taste the food. Any thoughts? Well, you know. Whenever we all get together, we have a good time, and uh, you know uh, whoever's with us, you know the fans and that, you know they have a good time. So I'm looking forward to it, definitely. You know it's going to be as you stated earlier, it's going to be uh, Sal, you, um, Alex, myself, Emily Horney, and whoever else you know just happens to uh, 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 stop by. Um, for people that are listening, anytime there's ever been an event at Sal's. You'd be surprised who you know just comes rolling in there, uh, whether or not it's a former heavyweight champion or a former middleweight champion or a Hall of Fame promoter. So whoever um, you know gets a chance to come down there when this event happens, I wouldn't miss it. If I was a bo- as a boxing fan, you know I'm going to be there. So of course I'm not going to miss it. But you know as a boxing fan, that's definitely the type of event you want to go to. Uh, also, what uh, makes those type of events down at Sal's great is you know the interaction. So you know I'm looking forward to it definitely, and I hope you know um, a lot of people show up. It's going to be a good time. I hope Ray. Uh, I hope we can get Ray to uh, Ray Mercer to, to stop by. But uh, 
Anyway, Dax, go get some sleep, and we'll talk next week, my man. All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. That's Dax Kine. You can check him out uh, up on the website, www.billycboxing.com. Uh, he uh, is a big contributor up there. Uh, thank goodness uh, that uh, that he is. But uh, in any event, um, yeah, uh, if you haven't uh, made plans for that weekend and you have, uh, you're have looking for something to do, uh, definitely... Uh, uh, try to plan to come down. Just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G uh, dot com uh, for uh, for that. Um, in any event, uh, we have some other stuff we'll talk about. Um, let me get some news out of the way. Um, we just talked about Kaznaki and Helenus. That's uh, fights taking place March second. Uh, I'm sorry, seventh. Uh, Kali Yafafi uh, will be defending his uh, WBA f- uh, Super Flyweight title against Chocolito Gonzalez February 29th in Texas on the zone. Interesting to uh, see how uh, Chocolito looks in that Roman Gonzalez, uh, uh, a fighter that uh, was at the top pound for pound, uh, lost a couple of fights. He's uh, fought his way back. He's 48 and 2. And uh, Yafi is uh, uh, a good young fighter. So it's going to be an interesting uh, fight for sure. Um, Luke Keeler is going to be taking on Demetrius Andrade. Uh, this fight's in a, a couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, it's on, uh, uh, it'll be on uh, the zone. It's a Thursday night, uh, January 30th. Uh, we'll be uh, in the UK. Anyway, Keeler who's got a record of 17 wins, two losses, one draw, only five of his wins uh, coming by knockout, um, says that Demetrius Andre is basically sadly mistaken uh, if he thinks he's going to beat Keeler. And he says, and I quote, he's really talking himself up. I don't know if he believes it or if he's a bit deluded, uh, but he hasn't produced it yet in the rink. Ring. He hasn't fought anyone elite. I think he's going to overlook me, and I think that uh, that deluded, uh, he believes he's one of the greatest, and he just has to turn up to win. That's going to count against him. I'm taking that belt with both hands. I, you know, when I look at the uh, um, you know record of Keeler, talk about being delusional. I, I have to lean towards Keeler. I mean, when I look at uh, Keeler. I, you know, I see a, a a guy that's ranked number twenty eight in the world at middleweight. He's five foot ten and a half. Uh, both of his uh, uh, losses came to Tom Duran, uh, and Tom Duran, when he fought him the last time, when he got stopped in the second round, was sixteen and zero. No disrespect to Duran, but he's no uh, world beater. Um, his biggest wins, really, Luis Arias. In his last professional fight, he won a 10-round decision uh, against uh, Arias. And I give him credit for beating Bradley Price, even though if you look at Bradley Price's record, you're going to think I'm nuts uh, because Bradley Price uh, donned a uh, 38-20 record when he fought Keeler in 2016. But he's a tough out. That's it. Uh, Of his 17 wins, those are the only two guys. You know, uh, say what you want about Demetrius Andrade. Because he's not exactly an exciting fighter, um, but he's ranked number seven as a middleweight. 
even though he's only been in the middleweight division uh, uh, for a couple of fights. Uh, he's a southpaw, six foot one. Um, he's 31 years old. He's undefeated, 28 uh, wins with 17 of his wins uh, coming by uh, knockout. Um, he's got the win against Saluki in his last fight. Uh, Saluki's a, a, a tough fighter, only had lost once prior to that. Um, won his world uh, title, uh, in the middleweight world title, against uh, Walter Kendukawa uh, and Kendukawa. Uh, it was an undefeated fighter. But prior to that, uh, wins over Brian Rose, Winnie Nelson, Jack Colquet. Uh, all of these are in a lower weight class, of course. Uh, but still, you know, somewhat names. Uh, Vanis Martiroshian, uh, Twinkle Fingers, Freddie Hernandez. Um, you know, I, I mean, Grady Brewer, he's got Saul Duran. Um, he's got some wins. Yes, not against world beaters. Uh, but uh, he does have... Uh, some decent wins. So I, I, I talk about delusional. I think maybe Luke Keeler uh, would be the one that's uh, a little more delusional than uh, than um, uh, Demetrius Andre. That's just my humble opinion. But uh, uh, anyway, got another email I'll share with you. This is from my man Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C., I only saw highlights of the Julian uh, versus Rosario fight, and Julian Williams didn't look the same as the Hurd fight. He looked off. Like to see a rematch uh, or uh, Charlo versus Rosario. Um, he didn't look the same, but I keep talking about that Jared Hurd fight. I, it just makes me wonder about that fight. I, I really I can't help it. It's just something seems fishy. Um, you know, Charlo brothers, uh, they don't impress me even a little bit. Um, but he is going to fight Rosario again. Uh, give Rosario a chance to make some money. Um, there is a rematch uh, clause in, in that fight. Um, uh, Shohajan uh, Ergashov, uh, he says, Th your thoughts on his skills, uh, his knockout over Estrella with a body shot. Listen, it wasn't just a knockout. I mean, a picture-perfect body shot. He's a junior welterweight. Took him 92 seconds to take care uh, of uh, Estrella. Um, you know, Adrian Estrella was was 29 and three going into the fight. Um, you know, Ergashov uh, improves to 18 and 0. Uh, yeah, I I think that uh, he's uh, a fighter to keep an eye on. He says, "Is Colbert ready for top names, or will he be fed lower belt ranked fighters?" I don't know if he's ready. Uh, to be honest with you, I do think that he should get better fighters uh, in the junior lightweight division. The top three fighters I'd like to see him fight is uh, Andrew Cancio, uh, Jason Valiz, or even uh, Miguel Roman. Uh, but uh, I do think that he needs to uh, step it up a little bit. I, I didn't think he was that impressive uh, in a very boring fight the other night. So uh, that's just my thoughts there. Uh um, he also says uh, the Niners over the Packers and the Chiefs over the Titans. Listen, you, you guys, anybody that's listened to the show for any length of time knows I'm a, uh, unfortunately, I'm a Jets fan. Um, but my second favorite team are the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm pulling for them. Uh, but if for some reason the Packers uh, do beat my Niners, I say my Niners because they're my only live team left, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the Chiefs uh, play the Packers, and I would kind of root for the Chiefs. Uh, I like the Packers, don't get me wrong. I think Jones is adding uh, a lot to it, uh, uh, you know, running the ball and, you know, uh, 
you know, the State Farm uh, uh, man is uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is uh, you know, he's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's a great quarterback. Um, the Titans are a team I'd be nervous about. You know, they seem to be uh, uh, running on all cylinders. I think we got two good games uh, to watch today. So uh, thanks for the email. Jess, uh, my man, Coach, says, hey, Billy C., I hope uh, this finds you shovelless with a warm scotch. Uh, yeah, well, I'll be shoveling in right after the show. Uh, and it's a little too early for scotch, but I had plenty last night. He says, did you catch the Ergashov uh, fight? Uh, out in uh, hidden out in Iowa, uh, yeah. He says at 28 years old, Ergashov, a four-time uh, champion, amateur champion, with a record of 202 and 14, uh, fighting uh, now out of Detroit for Saluted Productions Promotions, uh, beat uh, Estrella uh, with a great body shot. That should become a video note for young fighters. I I agree with Coach. Um, you know, it was picture perfect. Uh, and that's the way uh, body work should be done. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. It is on YouTube. Uh, and he says, oh, yeah, uh, Alvarez versus Joe Smith Jr. Uh, should be a good fight. What's your thoughts? I like Joe Smith in this in the rematch. I, I definitely do. Uh, Joe Smith showed me something with the development of a jab. Uh, it looks like he's, um, you know, if, if he can utilize that against Alvarez. Alvarez is a great fighter. There's no question. Uh but Jones, uh, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, but Smith Jr. Uh, has seemingly improved, uh, in my opinion. So, uh, yes, I- I'm looking forward to uh, that fight uh, for sure. He says, P.S., uh, let's please hope no one falls for the fake Mayweather-Fayweather versus McGregor, too. You know, they're already talking about that, and, uh, I, you know, it makes, me, uh, it makes me sick to even think that... Uh, uh, you know, a fight like that would, would come off uh, because uh, we know it, it not only can, but most likely will. And that's what bothers me about uh, Mayweather. You know, Mayweather, you know, with all his skill that he possesses or possessed, you know, he handpicks all of his opponents. Now, to his defense, um, you know, if somebody's throwing $100 million at him or even $20 million to to fight an easy fight. I can't knock Floyd for, for taking it. I mean, to him, that's easy money. But my concern is for the for the fans that actually think that McGregor has a chance. McGregor, McGregor is just a big mouth. That's all he is. He's not going to be able to box Floyd Mayweather. It's not happening. You know, no matter how hard they, they try to make you think that he's improved his, his game and everything else, it's not happening at all. You know, so I just, uh, I just don't, I just don't get it. You know, uh, why uh, the fan base uh, would fall uh, for that? But uh, speaking of falling for it, listen, you hear me talk about uh, the Southern Gourmet Spice and and all their uh, spices. You know, they they got Kenny Bear's Barbecue Rub. They have two new ones out now. They're all purpose uh, seasoned salt, and of course, uh, what's fastly become my favorite is the uh, blackened uh, seasoning. Um, it's got a kick to it. I, I, I love it. I, you can't make food too spicy for me. Uh, so get yourself a, a bottle of the two new ones. Or, uh, and definitely don't forget uh, Kenny Bear's Barbecue Rub. It, it tastes great on everything. Just visit SouthernGourmetSpice.com. SouthernGourmetSpice.com and demand the Billy C. discount. But uh, anyway, I like to uh, plug that. 
as much as I can. Um, but uh, in any event, um, it looks like uh, it looks like uh, we got uh, Alex oversleeping today, or or maybe even uh, uh, having some issues with his uh, uh, system because of the weather. I know uh, they can't handle uh, the uh, the weather like we can up here in the in the North Country uh, when we get uh, uh, snow. Um, you know, it is what it is. But uh, uh, in any event, um, yeah, I uh, you know thought it was kind of funny um, that uh, Tyson Fury is um, predicting the second round knockout over Deontay Wilder. Um, his quote was, Deontay knows he was rocked three or four times in our last fight, uh, and I didn't have the gas to finish him. This time, I can turn, uh, that screwdriver until he's gone. Uh, he says, Wilder will be going to sleep in two rounds. I keep having the same dream about round two. I'm playing poker, and I get dealt the number two card. He's getting knocked out in round two, I'm 100% sure. He says, I'm looking for the knockout. That's why I hired Sugar Hill. Uh, he gets you to sit down on that big right hand. That's what I'm looking for. There's the game plan. If I wasn't looking for a knockout, I would have straight sharpened up what I did in the last fight. I'm not coming for that. I'm looking for my 21st knockout. Is he? Is he really? Or is he trying to play a mind game with Deontay? Let's be real. No offense, but Deontay's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, he does get jacked up easily. Is this Tyson Fury's way of kind of controlling Deontay Wilder to come out and attack him just like he did in the first fight? Is that Tyson Fury's best bet to fight the same fight again? I don't know. Deontay Wilder says, I mean, that's what he believes in his heart. That's what he believes. I always teach people when I speak. I say, speak it, believe it, receive it. I hope he's not being paid to speak in front of people because he can't really speak too well. Uh, but anyway, he says, uh, but the magic of it all is the belief. It's the belief. And though he's saying it, I don't feel that uh, in his energy that he really believes that he's going to do that. If anything, I feel he's nervous. He's scared because of what happened in the first fight. And I understand that. This is boxing, and sometimes fighters have to put up this front like it's all good and nothing gets them going or nothing hurts them or we're always acting tough and stuff because of our sport. Uh, he says, but I'm a realist. He knows what happened. When you get knocked out like that and you don't know how you got there or how you got up, um, it was the grace of God. That bothers you. That, are only, that are not only affects you, but it affects your environment. It affects your family as well because they know you're going to get in there again with this monster. He's referring to himself. And you know what he's capable of doing. He says, it's not an act. It's something I do every time out. I knock guys out. Every guy I've faced, I've put him down. And it won't be any different this time around either. Uh, he says, I'm going to do exactly what I said I was going to do. I'm going to knock him out. I'm the lion. I'm the king of the jungle. I'm going to rip his head off his body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know what to think of uh, Deontay Wilder. I, I feel bad for him in a sense because he hasn't been promoted correctly. Uh, I happen to have seen an article recently that said that he saved boxing single-handedly. Um, I don't know, man. 
I don't think that he's anything more than a one-trick pony. I've said it time and time again. He's got power in his right hand. That's it. He's got no footwork. He demonstrated he could use a jab. Um, you know, in, in his first fight against uh, Bermain Stavern, has we haven't seen it since. He had trouble with 105-year-old uh, Ortiz, both fights, but he knocked him out in both fights. Um, clearly lost the Tyson Fury fight. Uh, the only people that really believe that he won that fight uh, is himself and the uh, even the judges that got paid off to uh, make that a draw, uh, they don't believe it. Nobody that watched that fight can honestly believe that uh, Deontay Wilder beat Tyson Fury in the first fight despite dropping Fury twice. Um, you know, there's no way. But I do believe that Deontay Wilder has a better chance of winning against Tyson Fury in the rematch. And uh, the reason why is I, I think he's going to I think he's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. He's going to attack uh, Tyson Fury. He's going to go for the kill a lot sooner. Uh, he does not believe that uh, Tyson Fury can hurt him, and I'm not so sure he can either. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. It's a fight that uh, clearly uh, uh, is worthwhile to watch. I mean, I can't uh, uh, I can't wait for it to tell you the truth. Uh, but uh, but that's that. Um, the other, uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, about heavyweight talk is, uh, Anthony Joshua, um, you know, he's getting ready for his next fight, um, and, it, well, they're going to announce it, but it's going to be against Pulov, uh, Dillian White, who seems to be the guy that, Deontay Wilder is, you know, avoiding at all costs. Um, he made an interesting uh, comment recently. He said that uh, the Andy Ruiz fights has changed Anthony Joshua forever. That his aggressive style going for the knockouts is gone. And that he feels that the style we're going to get from AJ from here on in is exactly what we saw in the Ruiz rematch. He, he cites uh, uh, fighters like Lennox Lewis and, and uh, Vladimir Klitschko doing the same thing after their first losses. Um, my question is, is that a terrible thing? I mean, Anthony Joshua is going to have the knockout power. He's, he's not losing that. His, he does need to protect his chin. And he does have this height and reach advantage. Why not fight? Uh, where you have the odds in your favor against your opponents, just like Vladimir Klitschko did. You can make an argument that, you know, when uh, when Vladimir Klitschko regained his title for the second reign, um, that he didn't lose a round until he got stopped by Anthony Joshua. You know, hadn't lost a round in any of those fights for almost a decade. You know, um, now, you know, he wasn't an exciting fighter, because he was patient to a fault. I think Anthony Joshua will uh, will shift it into a higher gear uh, quicker than Klitschko did. Uh, it all depends on who he fought. Listen, just remember something. I, I have said this many, many times about Anthony Joshua. His weakness, his um, you know kryptonite, if you will, is fighting shorter fighters. Andrew Ruiz, first of all, was not this killer knockout 
uh, puncher. You know, he's become that since he uh, uh, beat Anthony Joshua. People regard it uh, as uh, as he's this knockout puncher, which he's not. Um, he throws a lot of punches, and he's extremely uh, accurate. And, you know, his physique will make you think uh, lightly of him. Uh, but it is what it is. And, you know, if you look back at Anthony Joshua's only fights that he struggled against were against shorter guys. He just has a hard time fighting shorter guys. And so did the Klitschko brothers. The Klitschko brothers, it took a while before they became proficient fighting shorter guys. If you go back and watch video clips of both Klitschko brothers early in their career, they had a hard time fighting shorter guys. Then they learned to deliver their punches on a downward uh, uh, motion, which started uh, you know, putting guys out. When the heavyweight division caught up size-wise to the Klitschkos, uh, you saw them go back to uh, being able to deliver a, a straight punch, um, but they had both in their arsenal. AJ hasn't mastered that yet. He hasn't mastered fighting the shorter guy, the much shorter guy. The heavyweight division has grown. We have guys 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", in the heavyweight division right now. So when you stick a guy that's 6'1", or 6'2", uh, or even shorter against a, a, a an AJ... He has trouble. Should he have trouble? No, he shouldn't. But he does, you know, and that's something that uh, I've noticed for a long time now. But uh, in any event, um, last time we were in Vegas, Alex and I uh, uh, covered the Canelo uh, fight, um, and uh, um, there was a fighter on the card uh, called uh, uh, Blair. His name is Blair Cobbs. Blair the Flair. Um, Interesting guy, uh, was uh, kind of funny, um, but uh, there's a lot of fanfare about him. Um, some people like him, and some people don't. Uh, his record right now stands at 13 wins, no losses, and a draw, with nine of his wins coming by knockout. Uh, Golden Boy promotes him, and uh, they announced his next fight will be taking place on Valentine's Day. Uh, he's going to be taking on... Uh, Samuel uh, Kate, who's uh, got a record of 23 wins and two losses. Uh, he's out of uh, Ghana, Africa. And, you know, if you haven't seen uh, Kate fight before, he's a tough guy. I think this is going to be a big uh, test for uh, uh, Blair the Flair Cobbs um, because, uh, you know, I just don't think he's as good as he thinks he is and as his team does. Uh, but Blair did say, I'm excited to return um, to the ring. He said, uh, uh, I've been training very hard, and I know that all my hard work is about to pay off. I feel great, and I look sharp in sparring. I'm ready to take this guy out. Um, you know, what else is he going to say? You know, I mean, uh, you know, let's let's be real. Um, so I, I, I don't know what else to uh, uh, to think of. Of him, to be honest with you, uh, but uh, in any event, I um, I wanted to uh, break down uh, a fight that's going to be uh, taking place uh, next week, and um, you know it's it's kind of a fight that maybe doesn't need a lot of breaking down. <laughs> um, Ivan Reddick is going to be uh, uh, taking on Danny Garcia. Um, Danny Garcia was supposed to fight 
uh, Errol Spence, uh, but uh, Errol Spence uh, went and got injured, and uh, his return uh, is not going to be taking place for a little bit. So uh, they got the next, and, and I love the way they do this. We got the next highest-ranked available fighter, and Ivan Reddick is the guy. Um, Ivan, and we'll be talking about this fight post-fight next week, but uh, Ivan Reddick is 33 years old, out of the Ukraine. Uh, in the welterweight division, he's ranked number 41, okay? Uh, he's never fought for a world title before. He is a southpaw. Um, he's five foot ten and a half, which gives him a two-and-a-half-inch height uh, advantage. He's got a 71-inch reach, which is uh, approximately three-inch uh, three advantage there. Um, his record, 23 wins, 18 coming by knockout. Uh, he's only got four uh, losses. Uh, two in which uh, he was stopped. Uh, he was knocked out by uh, John Molina, uh, and he was also uh, knocked out by uh, Dijon uh, uh, Zalakanian uh, uh, back in uh, uh, 2015. Um, but when I look at his record, uh, you know, his biggest win really was his last fight of June of last year when he uh, knocked out Devon Alexander in the sixth round of their scheduled 10-round fight. Um, you know, any time he's ever stepped it up, uh, he's lost. The four losses, I, I mentioned the one with uh, Zalakinian, uh, but he also lost to Tevin Farmer, Argus, Arginus Mendez, and uh, Molina. Um, the best win, like I said, against Devon Alexander, even had a draw with Luis Cruz. I mean, he's a tough opponent, but... He's not a Danny Garcia-type opponent. Danny Garcia, a former uh, world champion in, in two divisions, uh, junior welterweight and welterweight division, at 31 years old, he's two, two years younger. He's ranked at number five in the world at uh, welterweight. Yeah, he's given up two and a half inches in height and three inches in reach, um, but he's got 113 more professional rounds experience than his opponent. He's got 246 rounds. Uh, his record is 35 wins, 21 coming by knockout, and he's got two losses, never been stopped. He lost uh, against Sean Porter, and he also lost to Keith Thurman, who many believe, including myself, won that fight. Uh, you know, the bottom line with Danny Garcia, like him or not, is that he's got names on his resume and he's got quality wins on his resume. I'll tell you this, for the last decade, he has fought top-notch opposition and he dons a 20-win and two-loss uh, record in the last 10 years. The biggest names uh, in the sport. He's got wins over Adrian Granados, his last fight, Bam Bam Rios, uh, Sam Vargas, R Robert Agos Guerrero, Paulie Malinaji, Lamont, you dummy, Peterson, uh, Lucas Matisse, Zab Judah, Eric Morales twice, Amir Khan, uh, Kendall Holt, Nate Campbell, Mike Arinudis, Jorge Romaro, and Ashley Theophane. All good wins in the last decade. Uh, I mean, what, what, can you, what can you say about Danny Garcia? Uh, quite honestly, his father uh, really didn't even want him to continue fighting, uh, but uh, uh, he wants to. And, you know, he was calling out, um, you know, uh, all the big names last night. Um, you know, wants uh, Pacquiao, wants Errol Spence. Um, yeah, everybody seems to want Pacquiao now, it seems. I, I, I don't know. Uh, 
Uh, it's kind of uh, kind of crazy, but uh, in any event, um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. My official prediction is uh, Danny Garcia is not going to have any trouble uh, in this fight at all. I mean, no disrespect to, to Redick, but um, Ivan hasn't faced uh, the opposition that he's going to face uh, against Danny Garcia. And if you want to compare his losses uh, with some of those fighters, uh, you know, to say it's like a Danny Garcia. Well, he didn't come out on top against any fighter he's ever stepped up uh, his level of opposition against. Uh, Danny Garcia, you could make uh, the, a strong case uh, for him being, you know, obviously one of the top fighters in the welterweight division. As a matter of fact, um, in the computer rankings, which uh, you guys heard me uh, be critical of uh, this morning, um, I thought I had the welterweight. Uh I thought uh, I thought I had the uh, uh, welterweight um, uh, top fighters, but I guess uh, I guess I I did the uh, middleweights and uh, huh I could have sworn I did welters too, but uh, all time pound for pound I, it just gets me who they got at number one uh, current pound for pound Saul Canelo Alvarez number one Terence Crawford number two. Uh, Triple G, number three. Errol Spence, number four. Vasily Lomachenko, number five. Don't understand that. I mean, I have no problem with uh, Alvarez and Crawford up at the top, but I feel Lomachenko needs to be in uh, up there too. Um, no disrespect to Triple G or Errol Spence, but Errol Spence hasn't fought the level of uh, opposition that the rest of the guys have. Interesting thing, with the current pound-for-pound, they actually have Deontay Wilder at number 11. Um, when I look at the all-time great heavyweights, he's not even on the list uh, in the top 50. He's not on the list. But I'll tell you two guys that are, that are um, you know still fighting today. Tyson Fury is at number 31, and Anthony Joshua is at number 34. Uh, interesting there. Number one is uh, Muhammad Ali, by the way. Um, but when you look at the current heavyweight uh, you know, rankings. Deontay's number two. Usyk is number three. How does Usyk get in there at, at number three? I, I don't know. Um, but uh, we'll see what uh, see what happens there. Um, middleweight, uh, currently Canelo, uh, number one, Triple G, number two, Chris Eubank Jr. at number three. Jamal Charlo at number four, and Mugaya at number five. Charlo is so overrated. I can't believe that he gets these uh, these rankings. But I could have sworn Chris Eubank uh, moved up in weight too. Uh, but uh, maybe maybe I'm mistaken. But uh, uh, in any event, that was uh, uh, that. Was that. But uh, uh, yeah, so, you know, we do have this event going on uh, at Sal's on April 4th. Uh, basically, we're going to be doing a show. Um, it's going to be kind of a theme show. Uh, we are going to take... The Fab Four of the 80s, which gets talked about quite a bit, Fab Four being uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, and Tommy the Hitman Hearns, those four fighters, arguably the top four uh, between the welterweight and middleweight divisions. And we're going to put them up against and do comparisons with the top four uh, welterweight slash middleweights uh, of this recent era, uh, which would consist of uh, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Triple G, and of course Canelo Alvarez. 
Um, interesting matchup. Uh, what's even more interesting is 25 years from now, uh, will they be talking about uh, Canelo, Triple G, um, you know, Pacquiao and Mayweather the way we talk about Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, and Tommy Hearns? Um, will they stand up to the test of time uh, the way the Fab Four of the 80s did? Uh, and only time will tell. Uh, but that's going to be our topic. Uh, so, you know, I hope that uh, not only, you know, I'm sure you guys will be uh, uh, tuning in, but I would love you to come on down, you know. Uh, now, you're free to go and uh, just pop in at, at Sal's. I don't have our uh, show start time, but uh, it may be uh, late afternoon or, or early afternoon. I, I don't know. We'll, as it gets closer, we'll let you know. Uh, but we will be there Saturday, April 4th to do the show, and we'll be hanging out pretty much all day uh, at, the, uh, at Sal's uh, to, uh, to talk with uh, you guys, the fans, or just eat all the Sal's food. I mean, you know, um, we will be getting in that Friday night, but, uh, and we will be at the restaurant at some point. But our show will be Saturday. And uh, if you want to hang with us the whole time, uh, there's only uh, there's not much room for that many people uh, to to come and you know stay with us uh, at the same hotel we are and basically uh, dine with us and all those things. Uh, drop me an email, uh, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, and I'll give you uh, uh, all the uh, the skinny on uh, what it's going to take to uh, to do that. Or you could just show up at Sal's on April fourth. And, uh, you know, hang out, you know, because uh, it's always fun at South. Let me tell you, um, what's really fun is uh, if we can get we did uh, a bunch of uh, revisited events uh, on St. Simons and, and got some great uh, people to come in. Uh, what's what's really fun sometimes isn't so much the fight fans that show up uh, at these events because, you know, we get some great fight fans that show up coaches. uh uh, been down there before, and a lot of other uh, listeners have have made the way uh, to Sal's and and you know hang with us. But um, to me, one of the best and and you know most fun things is when you get a regular person, and I say regular, you know, just someone that's dining, uh, you know, at the restaurant and happens to you know uh, um, you know see us there. Uh, you know, and then they get involved with it. You know, it's it's pretty cool uh, to uh, to see that, and um, you know, it's it's good to hear. Generally, we get a lot of oh, I used to be into into boxing. Uh, you know, or you know, a woman might say, oh, my dad was into it, and we start talking about uh, you know boxing from from years ago, and it's always fun. So if you if you can make your way down there, April fourth. Uh, that would be great. Uh, if not, then, uh, you know, hey, just uh, make sure you tune in. But uh, anyway, speaking of tuning in, joining us right now, the beautiful Emily Harney. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. How's it going? Oh, it's I'm going. It's going. You know, I, I got to go shovel here in a few minutes, you know. but uh, <laughs> I did that last night. Yeah. I, after yeah. I watched three fights and... Uh, you know, one fight ended quick enough that I was able to get out there. So. Well, you're uh, better than I. I procrastinated till this morning. So uh, 
hopefully it's a little warmer. But uh, let's talk about some of those fights from last night. Um, first and foremost, the Rosario fight. Um, I'm not, uh, I wasn't that shocked in that fight. Um, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I wasn't either. I mean, I kind of thought that's the way that it was going to go. Um, I think, you know, if you listen to who they, they want and, you know, what they think is going to happen. But I think from what we know and, you know, watching both fighters kind of come up, I think we knew that Rosario was going to have the upper hand going in there. Um, but, you know, sometimes we just we have to see things to, to prove it to others to maybe be quiet a little bit. You know, I, I, I can't help, and, and it's not fair to me to keep bringing his name up. Uh, I, I did it all day today, and I, I've been doing it last week pretty much. But, you know, it makes me really wonder about the Jared Hurd fight. You know, Jay, uh, Julian, you know, he, he, I c- kind of looked at him as, okay, this is maybe he's finally going to show some consistency. He obviously didn't last night losing. Uh, but it really makes me wonder why the heck Jared Hurd didn't take the rematch when he was looking unstoppable prior to that fight, he kind of faced a similar situation fighting in front of his hometown, et cetera, et cetera. When he announced his comeback, I was fully, totally acceptable, uh, accepting the fact if he moved up in weight, but he didn't. And now I wonder even more, why didn't he take the rematch with this guy? Yeah. I wonder that, too, because, you know, he would have had a perfect opportunity to sit himself in a great position, um, maybe even a better position now, especially if J-Rock had come out the way that he did last night. Um, you know, did did maybe J-Rock underestimate Rosario and think, yes, my hometown will be able to do this no matter what? You know, was he overconfident? I, I don't know, but I, I think it was, you know, something that herd has got to kind of look at and go, hmm, I wonder if, you know, and, and then again, maybe not. Maybe he thought, you know, it wasn't worth taking the rematch and that there were there were bigger fish to fry. But I, I think this would have, you know, if, if things had gone into Hurd's hands in this fashion, it would set him in a, a different way than what he's set up for now. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I wonder sometimes why guys don't take the rematch when it's offered and, you know, they see something like this happen. Do they have second thoughts and go, ah, shoulda, shoulda, woulda, coulda? Well, the the problem I have, though, Emily, is that, you know, like, okay, J-Rock had the rematch clause. And remember, Hurd had the rematch clause. It was he who said no, all right? No. He was the champ, right? Um, and Rosario had the rematch clause in his contract, and J-Rock immediately says, I'm going to exercise it. I want him. So that makes me say, okay, well, at least J-Rock has the attitude that he wants to win back that title that, you know, he feels, uh, whatever, disrespected. It wasn't a, he gave uh, full credit to, uh, to Rosario last night. And again, I say to J- Jared Hurd, if, if, you're, you know, if it's like what you said, he, he feels he had bigger fish to fry, maybe make some more money. That's not the kind of attitude I want in a fighter. I want a fighter t- basically chomping at the bit to get back in and get his second chance at a guy. It just makes me wonder if somebody's advising him for the wrong reasons. That's all. Well, it's, it's say that because I, I was talking to somebody this weekend about a different fighter, and I. I'm losing you. Very similar. You got I, me. Am I here? Yeah. I, now I am. Now you are. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I was losing you there for a second. What were you saying? I guess some. Am I, you got me. Yeah, I'm getting. I got you. But I'm getting all kinds of weird stuff, but uh, 
But what happens when you're at Salem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about all them witches hanging around. No, you know what? I, I just think that, you know, sometimes they, they maybe they hear something, they think something, or they think there's something else bigger on the horizon, and maybe they, they think that, you know, taking the rematch isn't in their best interest. Um, and I, I saw, like, probably within, you know, an hour after that fight last night, a message, you know, posted up from J-Rock saying, I know what I did, I know what I need to do to be back, and I will be back. And I always, I find that interesting sometimes how quickly that comes from a fighter. Um, you know, I know when I fought, I knew exactly what I needed to do next time to win if I were to ever fight that girl again. And so I, I, I knew I wanted to do it again. So I, I think sometimes there is a little bit of time that guys have to fester for a bit to, to make that decision. But based on the loss last night, he knew right away. He he was still hungry. He knew what he wanted. He knew what he needed to do. And, you know, I, I think he's right. He will be back better than ever. Um, will he still fare the same? I mean, we don't know that until he actually gets in there with a guy like Rosario again. Because Rosario capitalized on on what he needed to and that was a smart move on his end we don't always see that on fighters you know when they notice that a fighter's hurt that there's opportunity to take advantage of that and not necessarily hurt them more but at least get them into a position where the referee goes okay enough and that's what we saw speaking of referees i thought benji estevides who's who generally has I, you know he does a great job i thought he had a bad night i i i keep saying on today's show that I think Julian could have, I think that fight could have been stopped prior to when it was. Before he got flung to the canvas, and let's face it, he did, um, or he fell to the canvas, whatever the case was, he was getting pummeled against the ropes without responding, and Estevez wasn't anywhere to be found. I think he dropped the ball a little bit. I, I, I think that fight could have been stopped sooner. I thought that J-Rock was in some serious trouble. Am I being a little over the top or what did you see in new york i think we would have seen it stop sooner um this was a little bit down the road in philly so you get a few extra seconds there i think um i don't know i don't i don't know if he saw something that other people didn't if he thought like j-rock was going to be able to move himself out of the way and recover but you know based on how things had led up to that um i didn't think that he was going to fare well going forward and Rosario understood that he took advantage of that um, you know and, and sometimes you know a referee is slow off the cuff but maybe he saw something in the in the eyes that we didn't um, you know and those are the two things I look at are eyes and legs and if those two things are not you know coherent and focused or at least solid and, and movable um, we got a problem well his legs were jelly and yeah, they were, they were he, jelly for a he, bit. <laughs> he, was, he was against the ropes, and Estevez wasn't close enough to see his eyes. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it was totally, and you're 100% correct. In New York, somebody else would have been yelling at him to, to stop the fight. Dax made an interesting point this morning when he said that, you know, he thought, you know, he, he, he thought maybe that uh, because Rosario wasn't as popular here um, that, uh, Estevez kind of was thinking along the lines of giving, you know, Julian an extra time, which brings me to say, well, they shouldn't, a referee shouldn't be an analyst. He, you know, he, he shouldn't be an analyst in, in the ring. He, he, he should be looking at the fighters and, and thinking safety regardless of who's who. I, I don't know. I thought he had an off night, and he's generally a, a, a good referee. 
So it happens when you leave the state of New York, you know, that's... you give yourself an extra few seconds for your fighters. And, you know, that's the tough part to be in as a referee. You, you, you do watch these guys fight, whether you ref them or you're just watching the fight, whether it be there live or at home. And when you see an experienced fighter, sometimes I, I think we all, you know, we look at certain fighters and know certain situations that they should be able to get themselves out of um, based on experience and and what they have and I think sometimes we want to give them the benefit of the doubt because you don't want to end it too early and of course you don't want to end it too late um so it's it's like it's a crapshoot for sure and that's one position I don't think I'd ever want in this game no uh, you, you're damned if you do damned if you don't but the basic rule I've always heard you know top referees say is you know it's better to stop a fight too soon than than too late you know but uh yeah but speaking of referees, you know, the other fight uh, with uh, Alvarez, Elder Alvarez, uh, knocked out Michael Seals in the seventh round uh, at, at the Turning Stone. I, I was not there. I, I didn't make the trip. Uh, I usually try to go, but I didn't. Um, I, you know, a couple of things I noticed in that fight. First of all, Alvarez is not the same fighter. No disrespect to Seals, but he's not the caliber fighter I'm used to seeing Alvarez uh, do well against. My other point was that referee, uh, Dan Schiavone, was by far, I, I don't think he should ever be allowed to referee a, a fight again. He was one of these guys that were was in the camera shot too much. Uh, the, you know, even when both fighters had free hands, he was jumping in the middle. He was, uh, in my opinion, uh, was in favor of Seals. He kept slapping Alvarez around, pushing him around, getting all uh, disrespectful. I, I, I can't stand that, Emily. I think a referee should be in there to ref the job. It's fighter A versus fighter B. It's not fighter A versus fighter B featuring referee so-and-so. It just made me sick, and I, I think he ruined the win for Alvarez, in my opinion. I, I couldn't get past it. Am I overreacting? Well, you know, I always say the best referees are the ones that you see at the beginning of the fight to, you know, bring the two guys together and then the end of the fight to hold the hand up, at least from a from a photo standpoint, um, because otherwise they're always in your way. Um, I did think he was in the mix a lot more than he should have been last night. And Shavoni's usually a, a, a pretty solid referee. I've, I've watched him for years. And, um, you know, he's he's definitely been in the mix with a lot of um, great fights. Um, but I agree, you know, there, it shouldn't be about the referee. It should be about the two fighters. You know, you should be able to let them fight and, and, and not keep slapping them away. There was a lot of that. You know, I didn't really think about that until you brought that up. But he was in the shot quite a bit last night. Um, that can make a huge difference in a fight. But, um, you know, I, I thought this fight was going to go the way that it was, you know, from the get-go. And, and it ended the way that I kind of predicted it would. I, I thought maybe it would end a little sooner. Um, but this card for me, I was looking at more of, of the undercard. This was about, you know, the guys that were on the undercard, the guys that were getting the first fights of the year with top rank and maybe new signees and what have you, um, where this, this main event, yeah, it was some names. And I think that's the way you know, maybe top rank looked at it too. Like we got these two guys on top people will tune in and what have you, we'll get some guys to slug. Um, but really the, the ambiance of that card was on the undercard. Um, and unfortunately, we don't always get to see the entire undercard with these fights. But, um, you know, that, we, we go back again to the referee. I think this is the weekend of talking about referees and what we like and what we don't like. Um, every referee, I think, maybe has a night where it's it's it, they're too muddy in the fight. And maybe that's what it was with Shivoni. He was just too muddy in the fight um, because I don't I don't really see him in that type of mix up, you know. Um, so 
I got to go for an off night on him too. Maybe it was just the referee's non-night across the board. Well, referees like him and, and Jack Reese, um, you know, they have a tendency to try to make it about them. And, you know, I, it bothers me because it shouldn't be. And I agree with you 100%. When I see a, ref, a good referee, he's introducing them in the beginning. He's raising the winner's hand at the end. And then when I'm talking about the great fight a week later, I can't even remember who refereed it. To me, right. that's a good referee because he didn't make – something didn't happen for me to remember who the referee was. And it's generally something bad. You know, either the fight was stopped too soon, too late – uh, you know, he, he deducted points when he should have. It's it's always something based on a performance, you know. And all good referees have a bad night. Don't get me wrong. I think Harvey Dock is one of the, the better young referees, and, and occasionally he has a bad night, you know. Uh, uh, but when they when they, when these guys like Siobhan, who comes out um, with that I'm-in-control attitude, it ruins the fight. It really does. And uh, as a fighter, I want to make sure – I, I, I want – I don't want to complain about referees, but I want to make sure that I have a fair shake, you know, and uh, sometimes I don't know if, if we get that. Well, I think that's important to, you know, bring up, too, because I wonder how many fighters actually think about that. You know, you, you look at the judging, you look at who's going to be brought on as judges, you find out that beforehand. You know, how many fighters really think about who is refing me on this night? And I think about that a lot up in Massachusetts with you know, the caliber of refereeing that we have going on up here. We need some new young referees. Um, you know, there are some guys up here who, you know, in their day were great, but now we're starting to watch them almost get trampled over by the fighter because they're not getting out of the way and they're making slow decisions or they're not making the right decision. Um, and so that's something fighters really need to start to consider is, you know, who is refing you? Who's coming up for referees? Who's being trained as referees? Um, you know, and, and how does that fare for you as the fighter? I, I often wonder, do they actually think, you know, prior to getting in there, who's going to be that third person in the ring with me? You know, if you're in the main event or you're the co-feature and you're in a big TV fight, you know. And you know a couple days before that. You might even know weeks before that. Um, but when it comes to these smaller caliber fights, you don't know necessarily until he comes in to, to check you and read you the riot act or whatever it might be, you know? So... Um, something that I think fighters really need to, to take a handle on. A lot of them are taking a, a much greater handle on their, their promotional contracts and their careers because they're realizing that, you know, that's a, a big part of how do you become successful. It can't be sitting in somebody else's hands and not always your promoters for sure. But referees and judging is something that fighters, they got to look at. NFL players look at it. You know, your NBA players are looking at it. Why aren't fighters looking at it? Great points. And, um, you know, I, I, I tell you something, um, you make a good point about y young referees coming up. Uh, we, we need to increase that pool. And it always reminds me of a uh, referee I, I used to work with us uh, when we had the gym, Ron Lipton. It used to it bothers the hell out of him to see overweight and out of shape guys that are getting referee jobs when he believes that being in shape is part of being a good referee, where you can move out of the way and do all the things and back up everything you just said. So um, two more questions I got for you. Uh, one, Tyson Fury was in the news. They kicked off their press conference, Wilder and Fury, and Tyson Fury is now saying he's guaranteeing a second-round knockout. Um, you know, I... 
I, I don't know. You know, he's, he's saying Sugar Hill is, is helping him with his power. You know, that's the one knock I've had on, on uh, Tyson Fury since he's come out, that for a guy his size really doesn't possess the knockout power you would expect. Um, do you believe that Sugar Hill could bring that out? I mean, we witnessed Mugaya, uh, you know, show that, that, you know, he's got a jab and he's faster and, you know, he changed when I, I laughed. I said he's not going to be able to, and he did. Um, mm-hmm. Is this possible for Tyson Fury to actually, you know, uh, unleash uh, or at least find a way of put more putting more power behind his punches? I mean, anything's possible, right? Um, and after that press conference and some of the things that he commented on, I guess a lot of things are possible. But I... Um, I wouldn't go bet in the house on that, you know. I think, you know, it's it's great to have a, a goal and a want, but you're also facing a guy who's looking for that knockout as well. And both of you are smart fighters. Um, you fought each other before, and you have to, you know, capitalize on really what the vibe is, I think, that night. And if the knockout is there, then we know Fury's going to go for it. But... He can't be looking for that all night. You know, he's got to go in there and he's got to box and he's got to do his job. Um, and, and like you said, I think the last time we talked about this pickup where he left off. And if he can do that, he's going to have no problem. If he spends the night looking for the knockout, then we're just going to have two guys dancing with each other who, you know, go in circles and, you know, maybe hit each other once or twice every every so often. Um, and we know that Wilder's going to be looking for that knockout too. Wilder's not coming to to try to go 12 rounds at all um so i i just hope that both of these guys you know are are able to kind of pick up where they left off and give us a good fight i would love to see tyson fury take the victory here but i just don't see a second round knockout coming his way well that Um, that brings me to the second part of the question do you think this is tyson fury's way of of ensuring that deontay is going to come after him the way he wants him to I mean, it could be, you know, it could be that all that talk, you know, and I mean, that's smart too on his part. And we know that from other fighters that being able to talk is part of the game. Uh, but if Deontay is, again, smart enough to know that he's got to have a, 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 B, C, and D game plans, um, then, you know, he's not going to anticipate that that's just going to be the only thing that Fury has up his sleeve. Um, both of these guys we know are smart fighters. They're not going to you know, cut any corners in this. They're going to go in there and, and train their butts off to get everything that they possibly can and, and, and be satisfied, hopefully, with an outcome. Um, so I think both of them are going to be prepared any which way. I don't think it's, yeah, you're going you're gonna to knock me out in the second round. Great, I only need to tra- train then for a four-round fight. Um, I think either way you're going to get these guys that come in, in tip-top prime ABC game plan ready. No doubt. Final last question. Uh, Danny Garcia is taking on Ivan Redick uh, this upcoming week. We'll be talking about that fight next week. Um, I looked at these two fighters and broke down the fight. I don't know about you, but no disrespect to Ivan. I I can't see him lasting much with with Danny. Danny, realistically, and I never realized it until I I, had it in front of me in black and white, for the last... 10 years, the last decade, he's 20 wins and two losses against arguably the best opposition that he could find. 
in the uh, welterweight and junior welterweight division. Um, no disrespect to Reddick, but I just don't see him as the same class fighter against Danny Garcia. Yeah, you know, I, I think he'd have to get really lucky. Um, and that, it's unfortunate, you know. I mean, he's in a great position, you know, to get if he could get really lucky and, you know, would catapult him up. But I just don't see that happening. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, Danny Garcia has fought the top notch. And, and it's amazing that it's been 10 years. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. Um, and he still looks the same. But, um, you know, if this is a, a unfortunately kind of keep busy fight for him, get keep his feet wet get his first fight of the year and see where things take him from there type of deal. Um, that's what I'm, I'm kind of looking at it for Garcia as, and I, I don't disrespect Reddick for that in any fashion because you're getting in there with a world-class fighter and you're, you're taking an opportunity, taking a chance. And again, you know, anything can happen. Um, I just don't see it going Reddick's way at all. I tell you, for you to say that he looks the same in the last ten years, I know I don't. Jeez, I saw some, I was watching some of the uh, some of the older shows we've done on the on the TV channel. I you know flip through at different times. I see different episodes, and man, just five six years ago, I looked totally different. Uh, it's 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 catching up with me quick, Em. You know, it really is. But uh, uh, I wish I was Danny Garcia. I tell you that. But uh, uh, anyway. Listen. Stop using those Snapchat filters, Billy C. You'll yeah, be awesome. maybe, yeah, I'm gonna have to do. I should. I should look into that. You know, I uh, I need all the help I can get. But uh, anyway, listen. We'll look forward to you next week. We'll be talking about the uh, post uh, Garcia Reddick fight and uh, whatever else comes our way, man. Sounds good, guys. Have a great week. All right, take care. That's uh, boxing's best photographer, Emily Harney, uh, giving us her uh, thoughts on the fights. Uh, so listen, next week we will be uh, talking about the Danny Garcia-Ivan Reddick fight uh, as soon as it's over. So I just want to remind you guys, make sure, uh, well, make sure you make plans for April 4th. Uh, make sure you get a bottle uh, of uh, Kenny Bears, uh, either their new uh, product, their uh, all-purpose seasoning salt, or their uh, Cajun uh, mix. And, of course, the Kenny Bears barbecue rub, which I put on everything. Go to southerngourmetspice.com. Uh, and for everyone else, uh, make sure you tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.